This will be just fine for my purpose. What is your purpose, doctor? I told you, Dory. We need total isolation. So I can help you all. Son of a bitch, you know damned well. You slit ashes throat from ear to ear. Maybe you're nuts. You can't be so sure. Maybe it was you. Yeah, Dory. If looks could kill you, know, and we know you don't like men anyhow. I don't like puppies either, but I don't go around slitting their throats. A pathological maniac who killed in a blood frenzy. Hi, this is Linda Day George, and the hysteria continues. And indeed it does. Welcome back to The Hysteria Continues, and this is episode 183. And this time uh, we are going on a blood frenzy um, for some late 80s straight-to-video slasher madness set in the desert. And we're joined with a very, very special guest. Uh, Ewan from Arrow Video is with us once again, one of our favourite guests. So, Ewan, how are you doing? And thank you for coming on the show. Ooh, I'm having ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> Actually, it's not ice cream, it's yogurt, and I'm uh, licking it off the spoon seductively. It's fun. Oh, okay. Well, yes, we will be getting on to the exciting, the excitement and the, the, the sheer insanity of Blood Frenzy um, a little bit later. But also, we've got a special, Ewan is going to be giving us a very special treat. Um, he is doing a interview with the screenwriter of uh, Blood Frenzy, Ted Newson, which will be going out as an extra special episode, um, as an extra episode uh, alongside this one. So um, that's very exciting. You're looking forward to speaking to him. Uh, I am. I tell you what I'm, <clears throat> what I'm most looking forward to is uh, us all getting together, realizing something about ourselves and our problems. Uh, Nathan, your refusal to be touched. <laughs> Eric's constant desire to be touched. <laughs> Ooh. We'll find out what's behind that macho mask of yours, Joseph. <gasps> and Mr. Mr. Kurzweil, we'll deal with your drinking problem. Uh, oh, oh yeah. I can see, I can see <laughs> what you did there. Yeah, well, is, at least at least I got to sleep with Cassie before I got my throat slit. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, although I know Eric. Although I, know. I do wonder if um, Eric might be more closely associated with another character with a four-letter name. Oh, what one could it be? Mm, I do wonder. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. I, I know. I think I know it is. Yeah, it was a bit of a toss-up. I'm going to say. Who, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Eric, sure who I am. Scream. Yeah, well, who are you, Ewan? I don't know. Um, oh, Ewan's Dr. Barbara Shelley. Yeah. Ah, of course. Uh, okay. What is your purpose, Ewan? <laughs> my, my pur- I mean, I have my own hidden issues, which is to overcome my constant desire to watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Ah. Oh, my God, I love RuPaul's Drag Race. And all the related content thereof, which there is a lot. I've been dipping quite deeply into uh, the Manila Luzon album recently. So, okay. See, now this is the this is the part of the show that goes over my head because <laughs> I've I've watched the show in like passing, but it's just I don't get it. <clears throat> well, see, I'm I'm uh, I'm holding off uh, episode two of season eleven for this, so you guys better be appreciative. Yeah, I haven't seen oh, season I've, um, episode two yet. I've watched okay. episode. You have. Okay, okay. No spoilers, please. Okay. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. Well, anyway, we will we'll have to talk about that uh, separately. But um, but yes, blood frenzy. But um, and the rest of you uh, guys. So, Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's going to be one of those shows. Um, so, uh, Nathan, how about you? 
oh, I'm doing amazing. Uh, I have not had to kill anybody in a blood frenzy. Not yet. No, no. No, okay. What about you, Joseph? Are you having a blood frenzy? Well, I'm feeling like a new woman. Mm. Um. What? <laughs> okay. You don't remember that scene in the movie, I Feel Like a New Man? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're feeling means like I, a new woman. I, I want a new woman. I, guess. I don't You're not feeling just, like one. It's my blood frenzy pun. Okay, well, I, let me... Uh, hold on. Everyone deserves wow. a slow trombone. I get the trombone on my intro. It's very classy. <laughs> that's yeah. that's, that's very enough classy. of the tromboning, please. <laughs> well, I nearly went on a blood frenzy this morning because our, one of our neighbours was singing the Cranberry Zombie at full blast at, uh, at seven <laughs> o'clock in the morning. What which, a classic! What a classic! And what what kind of you know what else could you know? I'm sure no jury in the world would convict me of a blood frenzy. Was she um, singing it in Dolores O'Riordan's accents? I don't think there's any other way, is there? Well, she's Spanish, so it was a kind of Spanish rendition of Zombie. But to add to the the wonderfulness of the whole thing, she had it on repeat. So... So I may, I've got all the doors shut at the moment. So, but if you do hear the dulcet tones of a Spanish Dolores ridden, then um, you know what's happening. And if you hear some well, screams, Justin, you know what's happening as well. We've heard cat use a litter box while recording. So I know. Well, we've got you know, four. shocking. There's four cats in uh, this morning. So God only knows. They're all upstairs at the moment asleep. Well, what's even sadder is that we usually leave this stuff in the show. Mm. Yes, well... It's part of the charm. Yeah, exactly. The blood frenzy on the hysteria continues. But um, before we get to blood frenzy, uh, let's have a little chat about what we've been watching recently. I know we recorded last week, so we may not have had a chance to catch up with a huge amount. But uh, Ewan, have you you seen anything you'd like to tell us about? Well, guys, I'm I'm, I'm pretty tired because I stayed up last night and uh, watched the Suspiria remake. And I knew it was going to be a long one. Who were? Um, I wasn't quite ready for two and a half hours. So, um, so yeah, that's what I was doing last night. Um, I'm still kind of um, processing it, to be honest. Mm. Um, I would say straight up that I'm not going to be in a huge hurry to watch it again. Mm. Um, I mean, I know it was kind of doing something quite different. Obviously, it wasn't following the original script, but I still find my my problem generally with you know kind of remakes is that I spend most of the film thinking, oh, I'd quite like to be watching the original movie now, Um, which I had a lot for, you know, the first hour of Suspiria. I think there was there was there was moments um, I don't really want to I don't know if we spoil films um, that we've seen, but there was there was moments I appreciated the kind of the big finale was interesting, but it kind of it was it was more ridiculous than I was kind of expecting. I was expecting more, a bit more of a sober kind of approach. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about it, to be honest. Um, what you, have you guys all seen it? Yeah, I think it kind of echoes kind of. Well, I I mean I've seen it. I know Eric has seen yeah, it. Yeah, because sure. you you mentioned it on the show uh, a few episodes back or a few yes. weeks ago. Yeah, I don't know about Joseph I, and Nathan. I, yeah. yeah, and um, that kind of. Before I wasn't that bothered about watching it, but then I think um, Justin, you were you were a big fan of it, so it kind of made me think, oh, I should probably check it out. So I blame you. I do, no, was I, I a big fan of it? I don't think. Fan. No, it's Eric was a big fan. I oh, liked, was it? Okay. 
because just as you said, it was it was far more ridiculous than I was anticipating. Or yeah, it was much more of a horror film. I thought it was going to be quite yeah. an subtle approach, but it wasn't. It was. Yeah, I mean, it was for some of it. Um, yeah, some of it, yeah. But then when it would, when it did horror, it did horror properly, which I really yeah, it was. Um, I really wasn't expecting that. I mean, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. But um, so yeah, I don't know. It's you know, uh, your, your opinions of a film can change from day to day, and I literally just saw it last night. So I mean, I may well mm. flip, but my immediate feelings are kind of lukewarm. Um, I'm just scared away by the running time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so long. Well, I was watching with my girlfriend, who's not a big horror fan anyway but when it's sort of something that people have been talking about quite a lot she's kind of curious but she was <laughs> she kind of tapped out after the first 10 20 minutes i think um she found it quite pretentious which i did as well um it's, it's i didn't really get you know I, I i didn't really get the whole tilda swinton playing the old man just no. felt kind of a bit oscar Beatty sort of thing that's kind of I didn't you know and i didn't really buy it i really hate that kind of people in heavy makeup um Phone jacker, face jacker, kind of style. That won't mean anything to the guys in the US, but I really hate that kind of heavy makeup look. Just doesn't convince me at all. Well, it's good. Yeah. Adrian Brody's good in Jello as the <laughs> with the big oh, nose, yellow face. I'm not sure that's a joke or not. I haven't seen that. So. <laughs> did you say phone? Did you say phone jacker? Yeah. TV yeah, show. I know what I know what phone jacker is. I watch it a lot over here. Okay, yeah. So that was that's. Not to go on a tangent, but the original, yeah, phone jacker, and then was when he did the phone calls, and then face jacker was when he actually like dressed up as these characters and had really yeah, heavy I makeup. Don't, and I don't care about the makeup and all that, that stuff. Yeah. It just, it just, just like reminded me of that. Prank calls. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I just didn't really get what they were doing with that. Well, I yeah, think it could have done. It could have done with the original. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, no, I was going to say it could have done without sort of um, uh, Tilda Swinton and old man makeup walking in real time around Berlin for four hours. Yeah, I that was. And then <laughs> and, it was, I mean, I hmm. I appreciated the um, Jessica Harper kind of cameo, but it, it felt a bit lip servicey. I don't know. Well, I thought uh, that as well. I think it was just um, it is it's it's just strange that it turns into a Brian Yunzer movie in the last uh, twenty minutes. It just kind of it yeah. just it's all over the place. Um, and I think, you know, it's playful, but I, again, it's not a film that I particularly want to rush back and watch. I know it's got its fans. It's very diver, uh, diversive. So, or di- diversive. I, uh, I love the original Suspiria, but it's like, it's not a film I can go back and rewatch a lot. So I feel like this is like that movie with double the running time. So I'm just kind of put off by it. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yes. Excellent. Well, thank you. Um, you and, is any, anything else? Um, I revisited, um, the invitation the other day. Mm. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. It's the kind of dinner party where the, uh, this couple go to, um, this dinner party thrown by his ex-wife and they've lost a a son a few years back and, uh, they arrive and it's a dinner party and all their friends are getting together up in the hills in LA, I think. And, um, there's a very strange ambience and, um, sort of cultish vibe to what's going on. Um, you guys seen that film? Yes, I really liked it. Yeah. I have, yeah. I have, yeah. Yeah, it was my third time seeing it. Actually, it was because I was with my dad, and I didn't tend to make him watch horror movies. And um, we were just flicking through Netflix. And I couldn't really find anything else on there that I wanted to watch. I mean, just, I just, I'd seen it a couple of times, but I just quite enjoy it. So I thought I'd watch that again. I thought he'd like that. So excellent. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good, good movie, isn't it? Yeah, I, I love the the cult angle. I love the kind of slow burn vibe and. 
you know, when it, uh, I mean, I guess, can I spoil stuff or is that? Well, it's stuff that's been out for a while. If, if you've not yeah, seen, yeah. uh, I just like seen, flip, yeah. you know, when they're having, you know, the, the dinner and then the guy, Cho, uh, Choi turns up who, you know, you think has been, you know, oft earlier on in the film, he turns up and then, um, uh, the guy, the guy's, just, you know, I'm not explaining this very well, but there's, there's a good flip moment, which I really appreciate. So, yeah, it's that it's that the movie, isn't it? Where they at the end they see that it's happening all across. Um, yeah, there's the, Hollywood. They've, they've lit this kind of lamp, mm. and then it to kind of indicate. I don't know that they're doing this, uh, that they're part, partaking in this kind of suicide ritual thing, and then they look out over the hills, and there's lamps everywhere, and helicopters, and gunshots, and stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah, no, I thought it was a really good ending. Yeah, so. yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, no, I enjoyed watching that again. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've been watching. Um, been dipping, not not necessarily straight up horror, but I've been uh, watched the um, the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix as well. That was um, good. They hmm. true crime junkies, so that was um, that was uh, a natural one for me. Have any of you guys seen that? Yeah, we do, yeah we had a chat about it. I'm not sure if it was on air or off air, oh, but I think we did okay. watch it. Um, I watched it. I thought yeah. it's um, really well done. It's by the same filmmaker yeah. who's doing the. Um, the the new biopic isn't isn't it which uh with um what's his name uh what's his name remind me someone zach efron zach efron that's it yeah oh right he's what he's directing is it? well he's zach efron so he's he's playing ted bundy so the guy okay. who made the uh the bundy ted bundy tapes i think is i think it's the same director who's doing the the it biopic is. but it's supposed to be like yeah. a semi-comedy which is strange mm-hmm. okay reserving judgment then yes exactly um yeah, I, you know, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I've read a few, I've heard a few criticisms uh, of how they kind of presented him as a bit of this kind of superhuman kind of character and like quite kind of uh, presented him in quite a likable kind of way. I didn't really get that. I mean, I just found it interesting. Um, I, just I the fact, yeah. just remembering the fact that he managed to escape twice in the space of about a week is pretty amazing. Uh, jumping from that library, you know, on the second floor or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is that Ted Bundy, when he wasn't killing people, he actually was likable. So uh, mm. I think, yeah, I think they should portray yeah. him as likable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I zipped through that in the early hours of the morning. Um, and um, I think what else I've watched? I revisited um, a 1982 film called The Black Room. Any of you guys seen that film? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it's kind of uh, kind of a quasi kind of vampire movie about um, this guy uh, who's looking to kind of carry out his affairs in a secluded, a married man who's looking to carry out his affairs in a kind of secluded place. And he's looking through the ads um, and he comes across this room being advertised, sort of, you know, rent by the month sort of thing. Uh and um, he goes there and so he rents this room off this strange couple who I think are supposed to be sort of brother and sister. Um, and it's this strange kind of black room where they pipe kind of music through the walls and they they prepare the room for his its affairs by putting out red wine and all this stuff. And then when he, he leaves uh, through various contrivances, the, the ladies that he's with are... are um, seized upon by the the couple and exsanguinated so it's um yeah it's a really interesting film it's um 
it's it's pretty rare. I mean, it's I'll fully admit I had to watch it on you. Uh, no, I watched it on YouTube the first time, and this time I was lucky enough to get a friend to uh, rip a VHS uh, for me. Um, so it was you know you watch stuff on YouTube, and sometimes it's just you can't really you know they're, they're so pixelated or whatever you can't really enjoy them. But mm. I I could you know it was much a much more smoother watch this time. So yeah, it's a really great film um, and one that you know really deserves to get back out there and be seen by more people. So has anyone else seen it apart from Eric? I've, uh, I think, yeah, I, it's one that's, um, that's uh, in the Nightmare USA book. Um, mm. He waxes lyrical about it and that's what made me yeah. seek it out. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I agree with you about watching things on YouTube. I did watch uh, Blood Frenzy on YouTube, but it was the pretty, no, yeah, there's no other way. <laughs> it, was pretty decent, it was pretty decent to be fair. Yeah. Usually yeah. it can be quite pixely and stuff, yeah. But uh, Black Room, I thought was really intriguing. Yeah, I'd love to see, um, you know, I get a Blu-ray release because, you know, I sometimes in this day and age when I'm watching a VHS rip, I, I you know, it, it can struggle to hold my attention if the visual, mm. visual audio quality isn't kind of up to scratch. Uh, yeah, complete opposite to the way I was 20 years ago. But you know, hey. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's. I remember when I first watched um, Blood Rage, I had a, a VHS that I bought in. And I wasn't, you know, I, I thought it had, because this is one that I picked up for Arrow, and it was, you know, I thought it obviously had its charms. Um, but seeing it, you know, on, like, restored from the negative, it just became a completely different movie. So mm-hmm. uh, it's exciting to think about what some of these other films will look like if they hopefully get mm-hmm. the same sort of treatment. Well, this is your task for 2019, you and us. Yeah. Room on okay. Ray. <laughs> okay, I'll set a uh, Microsoft planner task now for that yes. <laughs> is there anything i don't know how to do that so. okay <laughs> is there anything you can tell us about what you're working on at the moment i know most of it would be top secret but uh you've got um uh is there anything you've done recently for arrow that uh, is, is out at the moment or coming out uh well we're just uh finishing up on trapped alive which you guys mm. kindly contributed commentary to of course yeah <laughs> Enjoyed um, very much. So that's that's uh, it's it's an interesting one because um, I really like the story. I mean, the same with a lot of these releases. I really like the story behind the film, and uh, with this one, it was uh, you know it was um, shot at Windsor Lake Studios in Wisconsin, which was set up by Chris Webster, who was the producer of Hellraiser and Heather's and Hellraiser Two for that matter. Uh, and it was kind of a studio set up in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin, uh, as you know, to be a kind of a regional. Um, a regional kind of uh, equivalent to Hollywood in a way. Um, and Trapped Alive was the first movie they made there in the midst of this, you know, kind of like snow enshrouded landscape. Um, and we managed to get a, because I was working quite closely with the director, Leszek Brzezinski, um, and he, he, he drew my attention to a, a TV documentary, like a local regional TV doc that they shot. Uh, when that film is being made. So it's like a 20-minute documentary and they're going behind the scenes of the set. And it's quite amazing, like, the scale of what they had. Um, you know, they had this huge uh, kind of almost aircraft hangar where they built the the mine uh, that, you know, most of the film is set in. It's like this huge structure that they built. And they had a huge um, swimming pool where they obviously shot the kind of ending uh, sequence. Um so, and yeah, so I just find the story of that studio really interesting and it's been really interesting speaking to people who work there and um, obviously some of the people who work there went on to work on some of the other films that were made there, uh, including the 
early 90s Fangoria movies, like uh, Mind Warp with Bruce Campbell. Um, so it's been really interesting talking to those people uh, and just kind of hearing their stories about that time. And obviously the studio, you know, was not the success it was meant to be. So I think it folded in maybe mid-90s, late-90s, I'm not sure. Um, so that's been a really interesting one to work on, and that's coming out soon. It's been a really good response to the announcement, I'm sure, largely in part to your gents' commentary. Well, also um, to the uh, <laughs> the artwork on the cover. Yeah, a lot of people yeah, seem to love that. Does, yeah. Mm. I mean, that's a huge delight for me you know not being artist you know not being artistically inclined is um being able to kind of create these things by proxy and kind of feel like i've had some kind of hand in it um so you know seeing like the sketch approving the sketch and then the final thing coming through and just feeling in some small way that i've had a hand in you know creating that and it was you know oh you know it's, it's a tricky area like new artwork i mean you know obviously sometimes i mean with trap there's not really trapped alive sorry there's not really any great artwork there's a bit of a wonky kind of 80s poster they did um but so it's it's difficult you know sometimes if there's really iconic artwork like the thing or something like that it's 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 difficult you know it's it's a thorny area because it's always mm. going to be divisive isn't it getting new artwork well that's always a thing isn't it because i i kind of guess um how to put it diplomatically but uh certain fans are, are, can be quite vocal about certain mm. things can't they which is weird when they have um, double-sided covers where you can revert to the original yeah. if well, yeah. you want. And yet they still go up in arms if there's new artwork. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I mean, that, that's the kind of, the, you know, the, the kind of uh, investment that, you know, that keeps labels like ours going. So, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Um, and, you know, the, you can think an artwork is great and other people don't. I mean, that's just, just how it rolls, so... Yeah, um, but no, that was yeah, that was really generally really positive feedback to that artwork, and I, I love, I always love working with um, uh, Justin Osborne, uh, Slasher Designs, who's done, uh, he's done the Slayer, um, did the House box set. He just always nails it. He did do Doom Asylum as well. So mm, no, fantastic. Um, I'm always excited. Yeah, I'm always excited when his artwork comes through. Um, so that's what's been announced. Um, I suppose I could say um, there's. I don't know if any of you are familiar with our American Horror Project box set that we did a few years ago. Yes, uh, yeah, that's, it's a premonition, uh, wasn't it? The and premonition in that, mm. that of, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess I could say we're. I mean, there's been a lot. It's it's been a lot longer coming with a volume two than planned, just through the nature of the kind of films we're looking to include. Um, you know, the obscurity of them, the availability of the materials. Uh, by its nature, it's it's not a quick process. So, you know, every time we come to like an announcement month, uh, generally, you know, people have been asking for Horror Project Volume Two, and so I can I can say exclusively that it's it's close, it's very close. Uh, so that's that's all I can say. But keep keep your eyes. Okay. Peeled. And we will um, be yeah, hopefully um, we will be working with uh, you and an arrow again in the near future and again our lips yes. are sealed indeed indeed so, indeed. so um, well thank you thank you and so um, we'll look forward to your thoughts on blood frenzy before we do that let's oh. see oh sorry one, yeah. one thing to add mm. um i'm working on and we'll hopefully reveal it soon but a blu-ray of possibly my most wanted slasher film release since well possibly of all time certainly over the last few years 
Axum. Uh, Axum. It's Axum. How did you know that? <laughs> um, it was begging for a Blu-ray release. It's uh, no, it's um, it's Death Nurse one and two. No. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry to tease. Um, no, it's um, yeah, it's 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 all come together in the last. It's something I've been working on for a few years. Um, it's a kind of passion project along the lines of like the Slayer and the Mutilator, where I've been really involved in trying to track down elements and people. And um, so hopefully, I think it's something we're looking to make a bit of a splash with the Texas Frightmare weekend that we're going to be at in early May. Okay. So I will keep you guys posted yeah. about that one, but it's a very exciting slasher one. Fantastic. Okay. Well, we shall, I'm sure our listeners will be uh, excited to hear more about that. So, yeah, we're all on. Sure the forums are alike. <laughs> <laughs> so excellent well thank you ewan um um joseph how about you have you seen anything last week yeah i actually did a sort of a uh, a blind netflix watch this week the first film i watched was uh deadly detention um i read the description and was like uh you know five teens are in saturday detention at a abandoned prison and they start getting picked off one by one so i was like ooh oh, this sounds good. I'll watch this. So, you know, I watched it and this is very, a very, very weird, uh, film. Uh, first of all, it's, it's well-made, it's well-shot, well-acted. I like the characters. They're, they're completely ridiculous and over the top. Um, but the film, it just, it almost feels like it was made for children. I mean, like the, the characters, they, they insult each other with stuff like, Oh, shut up, you booger head, or stop being such a snot head. And there's like very little to no cursing, you know, and I'm fine with that. It's just, it's kind of odd because, you know, I'm so used to that stuff in uh, slasher films. Um, it's relatively bloodless. There's a few, um, a few little spurts of blood here and there, but it's just for the most part, the kills are off screen. And so I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, normally I shouldn't like this movie, but for some reason it just kind of stuck with me. Uh, I kept I kept thinking about it, it just it, how offbeat it was, and um, I don't know. It's it's just uh, it's a it's a strange one, but uh, I enjoyed it. It's called Deadly Detention. I think it was also known as The Detained, and then it was uh, acquired by Netflix and they retitled it uh, Deadly Detention. But uh, it's it's fairly okay uh it's weird but fairly okay i liked it it's not one i've seen um it sounds a bit like is it rl stein kind of it's almost like one of those yeah it's not really in that tone it's sort of in the tone of like you know the kind of smarmy humor of like happy death day or uh, even something like scream just that kind of biting wit um but I don't know. It's just like it almost feels like it may have been edited and tried and maybe tried to appeal to like little kids. I don't know. But it's just it's just kind of unusual. Definitely not like something I've seen before. Biting wit and scream. <clears throat> well, you know, witty dialogue. Not 1981. I didn't think it was that witty. You're scream talking 96, not scream 81. <laughs> Oh, well, we just covered Scream 81. That's still what's on my brain. Mm. Oh, Nathan. My brain hasn't <laughs> transferred yet. Yeah. <laughs> we better get into a blood frenzy. Oh, I'll be thinking about blood <clears throat> frenzy for many moons after this. <laughs> well, fair enough. It's not. I haven't seen Deadly Detention. I don't know, because in Spain we get most of the um, 
the usual things. And I've seen your, well, I know what film you're going to talk about next, which I've seen uh, on Netflix here, but I have to search out Deadly Detention. Uh, Joseph, was it uh, as good as Deadly Detention, the book? See, I've, that's that's one book I've never read. I've oh, my God. You've got to read yeah. that book. I wish but, I still had it. Well, it's just kind of hard to come by without paying a pretty penny. So. Yeah, it's it's a really good book. To anybody out there, Deadly Detention, the book, is it's like the length of an R.L. Stein, you know, book. It's it's pretty short, but unlike R.L. Stein books, like this is a book where, you know, most of the characters all get butchered in one way or another while they're locked in the school. So it's very much a slasher book. Is it when when yeah. was it from? What? When was it uh, written? When was it released? I don't know. Um, I, I read I it. 91 or something like that, I think. I feel like I read it in the early 2000s, but, I mean, I don't know how long it had been out before then. Okay, because I remember it was, uh, there was that uh, Joyride, wasn't there, the the book that was released. I found released. that recently in my attic. Oh, did you? Okay. Joyride, yeah. I forgot, yeah. I, forgot I even had it. That's, that's a great book. That is a good book. That's early 80s slasher. If you, It's surprising how few uh, slasher books released in the early 80s, but that is one of them, which was never turned into a movie, but uh, it could well Should've have been. been. Yeah. So, um, well, th- thank you, Joseph. Are you, you going to mention the other Netflix one you were discussing on uh, Messenger? Yeah. Um, another, the other one was called um, Cam, like a webcam. It's basically about this webcam model. Um, she's kind of new to this webcam business, but she's slowly kind of gaining popularity. And her her deal is that she wants to get into like the top fifty. And um, so she puts on this performance where she uh, she fakes like a suicide of like slitting her throat, and then her popularity starts skyrocketing. And so you know she she goes to bed all happy and stuff, and the next day she wakes up and there's a like a doppelganger of her, like doing her webcam show and she can't figure out what's going on. And this is a very, very weird, surreal, uh, almost an arty type movie, but it's not, it doesn't have those art house uh, sensibilities. It's more trashy. Um, I definitely, I, I really loved it. It was, you know, I, I knew nothing about it going in, but, um, it's one of those movies that just like, it's so weird and so mysterious, the whole goings on that you're kind of like enthralled the whole time. You want to see the outcome, the, uh, what actually is going on is kind of vague and not really explained. And I'm okay with that. Uh, but that may turn off a few people, but I, I don't know. The lead performance was just very strong. The movie is very, very well shot, very colorful, um, very eerie, very creepy, um subject matter um i don't know i just i loved it uh, it's a great blind watch anyone else seen it yes i watched it last night as well on your recommendation it's on netflix over here as is um deadly detention or whatever that one was called <laughs> sorry um i really liked it as well i mean as you said it reminded me a bit maybe of something like ne- a less arty version of neon demon or uh, starry eyes that type of vibe and um, mm-hmm. it really really entertaining um i thought that lead actress was terrific in it uh, yeah, I do. I agree with you. I do like the way things are left a bit vague. Um, you know, things are left to your imagination. You know, the the, the climax of the film is, is is as you said, very sort of strange and bizarre in how she sort of tries to resolve oh, the issue. Yeah, but it's fantastic. That's that yes. whole sequence is like I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Mm. I loved it. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I, it's one I'd never heard of. Had you heard of it or did you just stumble across it on Netflix? No, I, it was, I stumbled upon it on a Netflix by accident. I was scrolling not, through uh, yeah. like the horror section and there it was. I was like, what is this? And I clicked on it and I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, and then I was like floored. I was like, wow, that was Blum, good. There's Blumhouse title cards at the start of the film. So they've obviously, yeah, I think, obviously have their yeah, own. Yeah, they may be yeah. Uh, yeah, a production hand in it or something. I find with Netflix that there's just so much horror content on it that like, like it's from 2017, 2018, and you've never heard of it that I just like, I don't trust it. Do I want to give up 90 minutes of my time to watch this? So I, I do rely on your recommendations, which is, uh, you know, I would never have gone near Cam otherwise. So I'm glad I did because I really enjoyed it. I saw it uh, quite a while ago. I can't remember. Um, I thought I'd discussed it on the show, but maybe not. But I, I really liked it. It, um, I, I thought, yeah, I thought the lead woman was um, fantastic, but she's in uh, A Handmaid's Tale as well. Yeah, yeah. As Janine, which, um, yeah, she's kind of it's it's quite a brave performance, isn't it? Because I think she was um, a webcam artist, wasn't she originally herself? I don't remember. I don't know about that, but I think her first hey. like, yeah, her first thing foray into like you know the te- uh, television and film was uh, the Orange Is the New Black show. Mm. I think, I think it I read, was, um, was maybe the writer. One of the writers was had worked in the sex industry. Oh, was it? Was it wasn't her? I thought it yeah. was her, but okay. Uh, um, yeah, no, I, I sorry. I, I, like Eric, if I'd just seen it pop up on Netflix, I probably wouldn't have given it time of day. But um, it, it'd been doing the festival circuit quite a bit last year. Um, Michael Blythe programmed it for the London Film Festival as part of his kind of cult segment, and he I probably mentioned his his. Uh, him before but he programs the regular horror strand at bfi so he had kind of recommended it to me so i was kind of um i was aware of it and yeah no i really enjoyed it as well cool excellent nathan how about you have you seen it no i mean i, I want to watch it but uh i was gonna watch it last night but i drank too much so i probably wouldn't remember <gasps> oh it nice morning really? anyway there's nudie ladies in it nathan so don't be watching it with hazel Tankersley. you'll be embarrassed Oh, I know I wouldn't. She's watched all kinds of slasher movies with me that has nudity. Okay, maybe not then. Okay. Now I get lectured. <laughs> like, well, back when I was younger, I would get lectured. She was like, hey, you don't need to be watching this. And I'm like, well, it's okay for me to watch people get their heads torn off. But I can't see a pair of boobs. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what you should say to her? You should say, you selfish relatives. <laughs> she doesn't need to be selfish. Mm. Although I don't know why I think that my grandma was selfish in that movie because, I mean, she was the one that I was defending. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense about that We've spotted a flaw in your script. Oh, my God. I Mm -hmm. thought it was so watertight. Oh, no. There's a lot of flaws there, I'm afraid. (laughs) But at least you never discuss having any nudity in in your movies, Nathan. (laughs) What did you say, Justin? I said at least you didn't discuss having any nudity in your movies. Thank no, God. no, that was that was off the table. Mm. Nathan didn't have a proper script supervisor. No, and and really, I didn't even have a script. I mean, I, I guess this is behind the scenes info, but most of the movies that I put up on YouTube when I was younger, um, I just made it up as I went along. No, I didn't write a script. I find that hard to believe, Nathan. I did write one for Voodoo Massacre too, but I made that when I was. More mature. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that bombshell, 
Um, I've forgotten where we're up to. Who we? Joseph, you were going to ask yes. Joe if he had any more movies he, that he had watched. Yes, thank you, Joseph. Any more movies you've watched? Yeah, I've got seventeen more. So uh, <laughs> hold on, no, that's it. That's all for me. Okay, well, thank you, uh, Nathan. How about you? Well, Justin, I took your recommendation in the Scream episode, and I decided to watch Terrified from nineteen sixty three. Oh yeah. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it, to be honest. Oh. I think I actually prefer Scream from, you know, 81. Um, I didn't say it was a terrified. recommendation. I didn't say it was a recommendation. I just said it was a, it was similarities. Oh, okay. Um, I could see similarities because I thought the pace was pretty sluggish. And this now, I mean, it was made in 63. So, I mean, I understand that it's not, you know, a slasher like Friday the 13th. So, I mean, I wasn't expecting that. But I felt like... It was a premise that maybe could have been in a short film, and they stretched it into a feature length, which, when that happens, it kind of drags at times. But um, I also felt kind of surprised with one character, because one character, you know, he's kind of painted as being the sensitive guy, the big coward that, like, runs from everything, so... A good portion of the movie, he's like trying to battle the killer. And I'm like, I thought that was interesting. Um, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Like the the coward guy, I, I was expecting like him to have some, you know, moment where he overcomes and, you know, something. But it just doesn't happen. And I thought that was kind of a wasted <laughs> opportunity. Well, I can I can barely remember it. Um I saw, I watched it when I was back writing the book about 10 years ago. So uh, I can't remember exactly. All I can remember was the similarities with the ghost town, the Western town. Oh. And the, the, the so it killer. makes sense that you wouldn't remember it, though, because I would probably not remember it later. <laughs> kind of weird that Fair Justin wouldn't remember a movie with a guy who overcomes. Oh, <laughs> Joseph. Joseph. Overcomes what? <sighs> you said oh, nice. Yeah, but... <laughs> I don't understand what's funny about it. Oh, Nathan. Well, we need a special jingle for that, don't we? Um, anything <laughs> Anything else, Nathan? Um, you know, yeah, but Joe confused me. So give me a second. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I also rewatched Curtains, which is a movie about actresses going to a big mansion and getting killed off by somebody in a hag mask, in case any of our slasher fans haven't seen or heard of that one. Um, and while watching it this time, I found myself wondering who would Jonathan Stryker have picked to play Audra? Me. If the killer want- hadn't shown up. <laughs> I want him to pick me. Well, you, you need to get a wig. Well, that can be achieved quite Can easily. you avoid the hag mask killer long enough to get the part? I'm Eric sure I could. Just, yeah. Eric can just shave his back and glue it to his head. <laughs> well, there's a picture. There is a picture for you. <laughs> it put a mental image in my mind. Um, but yeah, I was wondering who would get the part because I was like, hmm, you know, they're all pretty decent actresses. I mean, Samantha Sherwood probably deserved it more because she did get stuck in that mental asylum. But I don't know. It was rewatched though. Wasn't Samantha who made who made the best sandwiches there? Yeah, wasn't who, who Samantha the toilet seat up with curtains? Wasn't she in um, Demonoid? 
Who? Samantha Egger. Yes. Oh, I haven't seen yes. Demonoid. So oh, you'd loved, oh, you'd love oh. Demonoid. Yeah. I will well, choose Demonoid yeah. as my next Patreon horror pick. I think because I think Ooh. you need to watch okay. Demonoid, but I was imagining if uh, if he'd seen her performance in Demonoid, he might have given her the part or not. Well, she was good in uh, The Brood. Yes, she was. I have seen the brood. the brood. She gives birth like on the outside of her body in that movie. It's kind of crazy. Did I spoil it for y'all? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, don't need to watch it now. Um, right. Well, anything else, Nathan? Uh, no, the only other thing was RuPaul's Drag Race, and we've already discussed that. So. Okay. To, 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 to the moon. <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> to, to, to. Sorry, you set me off. <laughs> so many tunes. Oh. Cover Girl. Eric. Basin your walk. Eric, what about you, apart oh, from RuPaul's Drag Race? Uh, well, the only thing I watched this week was Cam, uh, but I've been listening to the wonderful Toya, and I've realized that one of her Talking songs of horror. is... Oh, not horror, this is delightful. This is a song where she sings about paprika. So here's a little five second um, snippet. Possibly from a theme tune from Anal Paprika. Yes, yeah, so there she is singing about paprika. It's not Africa. Are you sure she's not saying Africa? Yeah. No, she's definitely singing about paprika. <laughs> oh, that's kind of odd. What's the name of the song? War Boys. Okay, hang on. No, Maasai boy, sorry. Um, what, Maasai, yeah. as in, like, from Africa? Yes, from Africa. <laughs> Maasai, how do you spell that? M-A-S-S-I. Well, then she would probably sing Africa, not Paprika. No, no, she's definitely singing Paprika. M-A-S-S? End of it. M-A-S-A-I. A-I. Okay, all right. I'm look that sounds vaguely racist, like Massa. Oh, the Maasai. No, Eric, you were wrong. She's saying Africa. No, she's saying paprika. <laughs> I just looked it up. Oh, Nathan. That's all I have to say. Oh, apart from this. Oh, my God. Do you know, sometimes no. I do wish I edited the show a little bit more. <laughs> or what you should do is you should wish you never encouraged me to get soundboard. I know. Well, yeah. nobody encouraged you, Eric. You did that all by yourself. You were like a... You were like a sort of a, a, a four-year-old who was very pleased with himself for doing, making potty. Yep, that's me. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> with well, Harold making it, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Um, anything else, Eric? Uh, no, that's all I have to say. Okay. Well, I haven't seen because we recorded last weekend. So um, uh, the only thing I did watch this week, a couple of uh, a short on YouTube, uh, which popped up on my feed, and it's. Um, uh, a kind of a 10 minute movie or like a short film called Playtime which is a kind of parody of the Child's Play movies um, yes with, yeah. have, you, have you seen it? No I've seen it advertised on my feed as well I wasn't sure where I could watch it though Yeah it's on YouTube so it's the whole thing yeah. I, I presume unless there's more of it but it's a, it's a character it's based on Chucky called Billy who is um, and he was like a horror star like an animated animatronic doll in the 80s kind of slasher movie series called Playtime and um, it's him now kind of living in a destitute in like Hollywood somewhere and then he sees they're remaking um, doing a new series of Playtime movies so he goes to try and get involved but then finds out that they're using cgi and andy circus as um uh, is going to play him uh with all cgi so he's going around and it, i won't spoil the rest of it but it's quite kind of witty and quite well it's quite uh, cleverly done so uh that's uh, called playtime so that's on youtube um anyone seen that yet 
not yet, but it looks kind of good. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm only. Excited. I hadn't heard of it. Yeah, I only saw it. I sp- see pop, it. popped up this morning on my uh, my Facebook feed, so I just watched that before the show. Um, the only other thing I saw was the Proto Slasher. I kind of guess, and you could term it that is um, the Vincent Price Theatre of Blood uh, with Diana Rigg. Um, some friends of ours, we've sort of been introducing to some seventies British horror movies, and we watched Frightmare the week before, which I discussed last week. And uh, Theatre of Blood was, uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of like follow up to the Doctor vibes movies with kind of vincent price playing shakespearean actor who is wronged by serious critics and he goes around killing them off one by one with his daughter uh, and dressed up in various disguises so uh, that's a lot of fun if you've not seen that uh, from 1973 i think or 74 but so yeah early 70s uh, sort of vincent price uh, proto slasher uh, sort of very much in a, kind of in the vein of the um, always reminds me a little bit of the Friday Thirteenth movies the, the, in so much to having the the kind of the, the Grand Guignol sort of uh, gory death as the kind of the the kind of punchline <clears throat> uh, sort of uh, so um, but I guess that's one that we've all seen isn't it Theatre of Blood? That's that's yeah. just an incredible film. Yeah, incredible. Yes. Film. Good movie. Hey, I'm Butch. Dishy, dishy hair. <laughs> yes. That's brilliant. I actually saw they did a stage play of it like quite a few years ago. Oh, did um, they? Okay. Yeah, there was at the National Theatre in London. I can't remember who was, I always forget the guy's name that played his role, but it was really good fun. And, um, you know, like they, they recreated all the, you know, like the um, hairdressing scene and they had this kind of electrocution thing. And then there was this kind of smoking smoking kind of um, skeleton left behind afterwards. It was really good fun. Fantastic. Of course, that's an Arrow release as well, wasn't it? Uh, the Blu-ray, yeah, yeah, yes. um, quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, ago. I still got it because I hadn't watched. I'd, I'd bought it years and years and years ago, actually, and it was still shrink wrap because I, I bought it in a sale at FOP, which is like a uh, independent chain of um, um, shops here, and I'd seen it quite recently, so I hadn't so I hadn't <coughs> watched it for a number of years. But yeah, it's fantastic, uh, yeah, mm. a fantastic print as ever with Arrow. So, um, well, but, of course, of course, so I, I didn't get to work on that one, but I would have loved to have done like a location. I love doing location tours, and obviously, being in London, I would have loved to. Have gone around some of the locations and finding some of the some of the spots i know that the theater was demolished quite a while ago i think but well that's I'm the sure thing isn't it still, I, yeah. I think it's uh, that's always the, the the thing isn't it because london's changing has changed so yeah. much isn't it yeah there's a great website called real streets r-e-e-l i think and they they tend to focus on like british shop films and um i think they've got quite an extensive bit on theater of blood where you can look at like then and now shots so um, I'm sure there's still like enough around, so you know if we ever do it again, maybe I'll um, yeah, I will uh, indulge. Fantastic. Well, um, well, thanks for everyone's thoughts on what they've been watching. So it's time for the main feature, and I can't remember if we decided who was going to lead us in. I think it's <coughs> it's me. It's you. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, here is uh, the trailer for Blood Frenzy. Well, it's not a trailer. It's a clip. I couldn't find like a official trailer, so I did a little sound clip. Okay, well here it is. Fine bunch of crazies we are. You know, it could have been Cassie. I heard them. It sounded like rape. Hey, what are you talking about? Dave came in here last night. Doctor Shelley heard it all. I'm sure. Maybe she even watched, huh, Doctor? Enough. Nobody's accusing anybody of anything. Why not? Any one of us could have killed him. What about you, Crawford? Where were you last night? Well, I was asleep. Well, I had a couple of beers, but... Yeah? And blacked out? 
And maybe while you were blacked out, you crept out of the RV. Oh, that, that, that I didn't. I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't. You're I mean, wrong, I, Dory. I, I, Just stop it. What about you, dear doctor? You're the one who brought us all out here. Intensive therapy, seclusion. And you picked the location, Dory. The only one who didn't have a reason to kill him was me. Since when does a psycho need a reason? You know, that's a good point. Um, seven people walked into a private hell, and one of them is already dead with a throat slit from ear to ear. Can you guess who is doing it? Yeah. Blood frenzy is a masterpiece <laughs> of spine-tingling horror and mind-bending suspense. The sheer bloody horror is matched only by the strange, twisted story of seven desperate people trapped in a personal hell where death is the easy way out. That's the back of the video blurb uh, from Hollywood Family Entertainment. God, that box is incredible, too. Like the the uh, like big VHS box that uh, it came in. It opened up, and it had like a bunch of pictures, and it would say, can you guess who's doing it? And it had pictures of the ending where the killer's actually holding a knife to somebody else's throat. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you kind of tell me who's doing it, but okay. Um, and it also, one thing I love about this artwork is that it gives you a picture or the back of the video, uh, boxes, it gives you a picture of each character and a little like short bio of every one of them. So, you know, you could kind of be like, all right, let's see what's Dory's, um, thing here. Dory is a fashion model and lesbian with a severeness that often erupts as hatred. And this is very true because Dory in this movie, um, she's very angry all the time. Like, it's almost like you look at her the wrong way, and suddenly she's screaming F-bombs in your face. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I was breathing. I'll try to not do that anymore, Dory. Um, uh, but Blood Frenzy is one of those movies that I have always loved ever since I was a little kid because I love the setting, the desert setting. And I think it's interesting um, that, you know, it's a slasher movie, but all the characters are not your typical, like, teenagers in peril. It's, you know, adults. And, um, like, I, I like the the stakes are pretty high in this one because there's um, a scene where, you know, the RV is disabled and um, it's, do y'all hear that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like papers. Um, the editing does not continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Only the hysteria. <laughs> yes, the hysteria and the blood frenzy. And the blood frenzy. Um, so, yeah, I liked all the characters in the movie. Like, I mean, some are despicable, you know, but I mean, it's it's late 80s horror movie character despicable. I still enjoy watching them. Um, and the effects, I mean, I think the effects would have been better if they haven't focused on them as long as they do. Because the camera lingers on it, so you kind of can start to see, okay, well, I mean, you can see it's a little fake. But, I mean, to me, that's just part of the charm of 80 slasher movies. Um, you know, so I can't really say too many bad things about it. I thought that the acting in this one was, you know, pretty decent for a low budget horror movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I'm a big fan. I always, uh, have enjoyed, uh, blood frenzy. I know a lot of people, uh, talk about, uh, iced along with blood frenzy. It's funny cause it's like Lisa Loring and two slashers that have two totally different settings. 
And um, uh, I have to say, though, I think I kind of preferred her character in this one. I just because she was so over the top. It was just a lot of fun. Um, anyway, I'm going to pass things off to our special guest, Ewan, and see what are your thoughts on <clears throat> Blood Frenzy. Well, booze breath. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I, I love it. Um, I, this, I was not aware of this one for the longest time. I think uh, maybe last year was when I became aware of it. I think just, just during one of my sessions of just random Googling and looking at Amazon, and then I came across that incredible VHS box that you mentioned, which I just want to own that so badly. I've been been scoping out ebay and amazon and it's just i mean i presume if it ever did come up it would be you know a couple of hundred bucks but it's just such a thing of beauty um and like you say with all those um character profiles on the back it's like some weird kind of video game sort of thing um actually a few a few months ago i uh, posted the the one for cassie which is cassie's constant need for sex is a desperate attempt attempt to reach out to someone anyone <laughs> um it's just i i just want to own that but um yeah so uh i mean i've only been able to see it via youtube that's i mean it just seems to be really rare i'd love to get a copy of the tape but um i think i watched it a few months ago um and it just i mean you know it's 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 a desert slasher so i'm you know i'm in uh, it's got some gushy, you know, throat ripping. I'm, I'm doubling. It's got some. It's got some of the most ridiculous, over the top, on the nose characterizations I've ever seen. I'm, I'm just, I'm all, all in for this. Um, I've watched it maybe three times now. Um, obviously, I watched it in preparation for this, and I kind of enjoy it more with each watch. Weirdly, I thought I would actually go the other way. Um, I, I will say that you need quite a high tolerance for slide guitar to appreciate this particular movie, <laughs> uh, which I do. I've got a pretty high tolerance for that. Um, and I just, I really enjoy it. I mean, there's the opening scene, well, not the opening scene, but the, the kind of scene on the opening titles where they're driving through the desert. I mean, one of my fondest, earliest kind of horror movie memories is, is The Hills Have Eyes and, you know, where the family are driving through the desert. And as far as I'm aware, I know this was shot kind of in in the Mojave Desert area. So it's quite likely it was almost exactly the same area as the Hills of Eyes was shot. Um, I haven't checked specifically. I know it was filmed in near the town of Barstow, I think. Um, but so just those shots of them driving through the desert and the desert, you know, the mountains, the hills looming in the background just immediately just conjure up really, really fond memories of Hills of Eyes for me. Um, so that already gets, you know, gets several plus points. And then, you know, just realizing how ridiculous and, you know, the characterizations are, um, you know, they're all very clearly defined if, you know, if kind of caricaturistic, if that's a word, uh, you know, we're introduced to Rick, who's, you know, the the classic Vietnam vet suffering from PTSD and he's clutching, clutching the wheel of, I mean, I don't know why they put him in charge of the, uh, the driving. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the many um, questionable motivations uh, in the film, but you know, he's pictured clutching, uh, you know, the wheel intensely driving down the road kind of in the midst of a, of a Vietnam flashback. You know, there's the, uh, 
um, uh, Jean, who doesn't who doesn't like being touched. Um, uh, you know, and so her line is, "Please, I don't like being touched." You know, it's all very on the nose, but it's uh, just brilliant. Um, and uh, you know, uh, you mentioned the the gore effects lingering a bit. I kind of I I, I know what you mean. They'll see they you know, especially that opening sequence where it kind of looks like the father's throat is kind of being tickled with that um, that implement rather than slashed. Um, but I just, I really enjoy the lingering shots of the gushing throats. You know, I don't really care that they, they look fake as hell. I mean, I just take that any day over the kind of the CGI blood splatter that I saw in Suspiria last night. So yeah, it's a, it's a big thumbs up for me. And I think, um, you know, uh, it's a shame I've only been able to see it on YouTube. It's got this really weird, I don't know if that's how it was shot or it's, yeah, the VHS copy or what, but it's got this very kind of blown out look. So um, I'd be interested to see what could be done with it if, you know, anyone uh, decides to be charitable and give this a restoration. But yeah, no, really enjoy it. It was, uh, it was a nice surprise for me when I came across this one. It's funny you mentioned the uh, dad getting killed in the opening scene because I'm like, he just sort of lays there and lets <laughs> his kid kill him. Like yeah. he doesn't even put up his hands to defend himself. It's almost yeah. like, here's my throat. Here. Yeah, I love his line about you know what's it? How can, how can you? We can't afford stuff like that with the uh, toy box. I mean, I don't it's know. It's like how a little check. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like if that's going to break the bank, but um, I enjoyed that. I'm like he. I, it was probably he says this as he's swigging a beer. I know. Which, I'm yeah. like, how much did your alcohol cost yeah. compared to that? We ain't got no money for no music box. <laughs> uh, he doesn't say that, but you know, I imagine. Um, so I love that, and I mean, there's just some of the reasoning behind it. Um, uh, the, with the gore, coming back to the gore, I think uh, something that I read that um, hopefully we'll be interviewing Ted Newsom, the writer, was saying that um, Hal Freeman approached the kind of the gore shots very much because he was his background was obviously important. Uh, he was approaching the gore shots very much like the money shots, and so he he was always wanting to focus, you know, kind of hold those shots as much as possible. So I think that maybe explains why they're so lingering, perhaps, which I think is really interesting. But I, I, I you know, like I said, I, I'd much rather linger on a, a fake ass throat slitting than some, you know, CGI blood spraying everywhere. I'm glad you clarified that because at first you said I'd much rather linger on a fake ass. Yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing that being uh, Mr. Mister. Justin's the man to do that. Yeah, yeah, I know. That was one of my big fears about coming back on this. Actually. Oh, awesome though. Um, What about you, Eric? Okay, I hadn't seen um, Blood Frenzy before until earlier this week. Uh, in fact, I probably it hadn't even entered my consciousness until, oh God, there's something that Justin can manipulate as well, that sentence, um, until uh, we covered Iced. And we were talking about Lisa Lording, and she's now in Blood Frenzy as well. Uh, I love the setup, the Friday the 13th Part 5 meets Hills of Eyes thing, where uh, you get the sort of atypically middle-aged characters heading off to the desert for their therapy session, which looks like it takes place on the side of the road. Um, which it, it's kind of an odd um, choice um, and it's opening reminded me of Pieces as well where in Pieces the kid is yeah, yeah. trying to do his nudie jigsaw um, and mummy disapproves and in this one the kid just wants to play with the music box and the father disapproves and he, he slips what's the thing he slips on by the way 
Um, uh, yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I don't know if that's intentional, but I, I don't know what it is, but I love that. I, I love to think that they had him slip ironically on something called Lifesavers. Yeah. Lifesavers are like, uh, they're like Please? little mint candies. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that was, I think they deliberately did that. I do. They were focused on it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's many, you know, many layers to this. Yeah. Many layers. Yeah. God, you're turning into Nathan now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Amanda, kind of an amalgamation. Yes. <laughs> hey, that's a good combo. It is. It's the best combo. I think it's, I talked to Amanda quite a lot. So I think her kind of, uh, her, you know, her in-depth readings of these films is kind of rubbing off on me. Yes, so see. they were. They were. <laughs> um, one of the things I noticed early on in the film, and mentioned it already, Ewan, is that I like the way Dr. Shelley allows uh, you know, Rick to drive the Winnebago out into the desert. Even though he's speeding and he's uh, swerving off the road, it doesn't seem to bother her that much. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dory is the real standout, you know, with her anger management issues. Um, she makes Inga from Bloody Moon look like Mother Teresa. Uh, you know, she's channeling, channeling a bit of Sally from Demons 2 as well. Uh, I just love the way that no matter what is said to her, she just responds in a really aggressive manner. And there's absolutely no subtlety to the performance, and that's why I absolutely love it. Um, um, uh, you know, she says things like, uh, I'm the one who knows where we're going, so don't give me a ration of shit. <laughs> <laughs> what a line. And there's some great, actually, there's some awesome dialogue at this. I mean, when you interview the, the writer, I don't, I'm, I'm sure, I hope he's proud of some of these lines. Like, um, the next time I parachuted, I didn't wear anything. And muff diving's a lot more fun. And my favorite <laughs> is, so I'm a dick smoker, huh? Dick smokers. I never heard that term before. Had you? Justin, you're the king of innuendo. Had you heard the term? <laughs> of course. Before? I'm surprised oh, you haven't that. given your history. Yeah, well, I've only one thing to say to you about that. I'm not a troller. There you go. <laughs> um, is it my imagination or is there a scene in this film where Crawford, the drunk, falls out of the toilet in the Winnebago with his underpants around his ankles? Yes, there is. Okay, because I wasn't sure. Like, did I just witness that or is that something I dreamed in my imagination? <laughs> um um, so, I mean, the opening of the film is great fun, and the, the final 15 minutes are amazing. If I, had a, if I was pointing out some flaws in the film, it might be that it drags a little in the sort of in-between bit. Uh, I find it, it kind of gets monotonous to a certain point, not, not you know, majorly, um, because, it has, as I said, it has a great opening and a great ending. So, um, you know, that's what I take away from the film. They always say that if, it, if a film ends with a bang, um, that's what you'll, you'll remember of the film. And this certainly does, because the killer goes into total overdrive. She's Mrs. Voorhees meets um, uh, Rebecca Gayhart from Urban Legend, just completely over-the-top bonkers. Her, I, I didn't notice her hair getting any bigger, but her, certainly her um, eyeliner does, uh, making her look completely insane. Um the whodunit isn't terribly well disguised, I don't think. Um, I, I'm not sure if you guys will agree or disagree with that. I mean, have we announced who the killer is yet? I don't know if we have, but I'm just... We haven't, to... but... Okay, I'll spoil it here. It's Lisa Loring's character, who is the one who is constantly angry and the one who has decided on the location for the therapy session. So, hey-ho, what a surprise. She turns out to be the killer, along with her um, her brother. Um, so, I mean, it isn't terribly, you know, uh, difficult to work out who the killer is somebody like me who has a track record of not even spotting who the killer is in the most obvious of films. Um, I mean, but the final 20 minutes with Lisa Loring are fantastic. She chews that scenery as if it was made of chunky Kit Kats and she's just amazing in the film. I mean, it's probably very much uh, a one note performance, I suppose, because even when she's 
you know, in her pre-killer revelation, she's she's an insane lunatic. Uh, so she only has to dial it up a slight notch for when she's revealed as the killer. Um, and I do, as as Ewan was saying, the, the characters are all they're, they're the broadest stereotypes. You have the drunk is drunk twenty four seven. The nympho is gagging for it twenty four seven. The the war veteran has PTSD twenty four seven. I mean, there's no subtlety in any of the any of the characterizations, uh, you know. And and Lisa Loring is is in Inga mode or Sally mode twenty four seven as well. But I was genuinely very surprised at the how much I enjoyed the film because I don't know. I just because it hadn't been on my radar at all. I thought, oh, it's just going to be another sort of straight-to-video film. I bet you it's going to be really, really boring. And I'm watching a VHS print of it on YouTube, which, as Ewan was saying, is not my ideal way of watching films. Uh, but it managed to hold my attention. Maybe in the middle it might have been where uh, where Gareth was saying on the last episode it becomes a bit of a phone grabber, um, where you look at your phone and you've seen what's happening on Facebook and that. But um, I think this film gets a big thumbs up for those last 15 minutes, which are awesome. Awesome. I'm glad that you liked it because I know that sometimes y'all are a little iffy on my picks. Yes, I know. But this one was a good one. Thank you. Uh, do you agree, Joseph? Yes, I think this is probably your best pick so far. <gasps> wow. Wow. Yeah, that I love I so love Blood praise. Frenzy. Um, it's so it's so schlocky in, in all the right ways. And I did notice Lisa Loring's hair get exponentially larger as the crazier Perfect. she got. Yeah. It definitely um, pops see, up I, a bit, yeah. I didn't watch the print on YouTube. I um uh, I went to uh the baby Jesus and got my copy. Um, <gasps> so it's a it's a pretty good print, the one I saw. Um I just I love all the characters. They are so they're they're so, you know, they're caricatures more than they are characters. But um I love um I love the Cassie character so much and I, I was hoping hoping that she would be the final girl. Um, because I think that, you know, the slut being the final girl is just kind of an offbeat choice. Um, but it's so sad when she died. Um, one thing that I was, I was worried about, it's like, <clears throat> there's this one scene where, you know, they all kind of split up and go out into the desert, you know, to try to find help. And they, they, they're not even out there like five minutes. And she's obviously had like, you know, adequate amounts of water to keep her hydrated and then she just passes out like like she's been out in the heat for like 11 days straight i love that and then later um the drunk guy what's his name again uh, crawford is this crawford yeah crawford he he hoofs up a hill and down a hill and into some caves and you know he looks like he's he's about to puke up a lung because he's you know out of breath or something it's um like and then her, he gets um Sorry, it was like that girl in uh, Don't Go in the Woods who is licking that plate of food. <laughs> yeah. Well, Crawford, the Crawford character, he goes through all this stuff and then he ends up getting stabbed. And yet he somehow manages to survive in the dark and find his way back to the RV just long enough to fall in front of him dead. It's like, why did they do that? Well, holding that and toy box when, uh, as well. <laughs> and, and, and the killer's identity is so obvious in this film because uh, – Lisa Loring, she's the only one. She's like a Paula point fingers. Like she's always pointing the finger at everyone else. Everyone else is like, well, who could it be? Or how are we going to get out of this? And Lisa Loring is always like, I bet it was him because he does this. Or I bet it was her because she does that. Uh, so it's obviously going to be her. Now, I didn't see the twist with her um, with her brother coming at all. I, I, mu- I must have missed um, uh, the opening scene because the opening scene, the way it's filmed is like, the dad comes in and he, he, he admonishes the child and he slaps the child and you see it's a girl that he's slapping. 
But then when you see him get his throat slit, you, you just see like a hand pick up the trowel. Uh, so I, I don't know if it, if it was meant to suggest that there were two people in the room. I don't know. But anyway, um, I know there's a throwaway line when they see the jack in the box and the doctor's like, oh, no, it's been 15 years. This can't be going on again. Um, and then they say it's a boy. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute. Um, I thought it was a girl in the opening scene that got slapped. And then they introduced the brother at the very end. And I'm like, I don't remember him seeing seeing him in the opening scene or there being any illusions that there was another person there in the opening scene. So that was a little bit confusing. But, uh, I, you know, so for that, I didn't see the, the whole brother angle coming. No, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I you know, I. I pointed her out, you know, quite early on. And I, I, I think, I think it's all the more brilliant that I was able to, you know, pinpoint who the killer was in this film because the whole time I'm thinking, well, obviously it's going to be her. She's pointing fingers. She's like, she's dialed her rage up to like 11. She's even worse than the Vietnam, uh, the PTSD survivor. He's like, he's obviously got some issues trying to control his temper because he's uh, having all these flashbacks. She's even worse. And, um, I don't know. I just, she, this is a Lisa Loring film through and through. Uh, this is, I, I love this movie, you know, a lot. I think I love this movie more than Iced, and I definitely loved her more in this than I did Iced. Uh, it's just like, it's it's almost like Fatal Frames. Like, you watch that movie for uh, Stefania Stella. You watch Blood Frenzy for uh, Lisa Loring. Uh, no, but Thumbs <clears throat> way, way up for Blood Frenzy. I think it's just the right amount of schlock, has the right amount of kind of... Uh, ha-ha humor and some of the gallows humor that I like. Fun characters, uh, thin but fun characters. Um, I don't know, just a, a fun movie. Very short and running time, very bloody, uh, great setting. I don't know, just a, an all-around winner in my book, so thumbs up. That is awesome, very awesome. It's funny you mentioned that uh, Dory points the finger at everybody because I was just thinking that too. I'm like, she accuses basically every single person in this movie. She accuses of being the killer. But if anybody turns it around and was like, well, maybe it was you. Oh, then they've gone too far. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, is it Ch- the PTSD guys, his name is chase. I think Rick, Rick, Rick. Yeah. yeah Rick, uh, Rick's like, if I'm the killer, you're all going to be better off without me. But if one of you is the killer, then I'll be safe. I'm safer on my own. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was not wrong. Yeah, he, he's the one that basically figured out that it was her doing the killing. Um, hey, Justin, when you reviewed this for your site, you gave it two and a half out of five stars. Mm-hmm. What about now? Uh, I think that's probably fair. I think it may be I could bump it up half star or another star, perhaps. I mean, I enjoy it. I think it's um, it's surprisingly well made. Uh, considering that uh, it, it's you know the only directorial um, you know straight uh, kind of movie the director did as, as such, um, I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, certainly as far as um, uh, slasher group therapy uh, movies, it's a lot more fun than say Schizoid or Phobia, uh, which kind of came out in the early eighties. But the it, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's very it's very broad. It reminds me. Well, it's kind of very. 1987 isn't it it's got his tongue firmly in in its cheek and i think all the the um the uh, the people in it are kind of playing it with a nod and a wink um but not so much it kind of tips over into into um into farce uh yeah so it's 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 a lot of fun i mean i 
I, I enjoyed the the gore. I mean, I think the gore is kind of it's quite effective, um, and uh, I, it's interesting what you're saying, you and about it. The fact is that it was kind of the uh, director kind of wanted it's like a money shot, which very much it kind of that kind of shows um, and that mentality behind making it. And the last ten minutes are amazing. Um, I think it kind of it's one of the most insane uh, sort of last ten minutes of any slasher movie. You know, it kind of takes like well not takes, but it kind of reminds me a bit of the the ending of Urban Legend, but it just ups it to you know another uh, 10 decibels um so uh yeah it's a good lot of fun one one question i did have about it though was um because you know when we, you're tricked into believing i think it's rick has blown himself up uh in a fit of peak uh and um cassie and the doctor go running um off to the caves and cassie's got like a severed hand or a hand she's holding onto a yeah, hand whose hand is it this bit as well Whose hand was that? Because I, I, I kind of, I thought it meant to sort of almost suggest that it was Rick's hand that blown off, and she somehow had got hold of it. But of course, then we that find is, out yeah, he wasn't I dead. I think that is the suggestion, but I've, I've no idea. I just found it, it's just such a comical moment. I mean, it's don't know if they were playing that for last, but I mean, it's just hilarious. Just come <laughs> produces a severed hand. I know. Well, the hand has marks on it as well to suggest that it was blown off by dynamite. So like, he, he's not missing a hand when he reappears. <laughs> That's not what I saw. No. Oh. Um, yeah, there was there was some tidbit about the they wanted to have. I'm not, they they were originally wanted to have uh, like a body blown up, but uh, I mean we can talk about this in background. But um, the the guys that ended up doing the effects came on quite late, and they didn't have a a body to explode, so they went with the hand. But I'm not sure how that factors into his character coming back. So I've just made it more confusing. I think. Yes. Okay. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't just me because you know sometimes you can uh, you look away from a screen, don't you, for a, a minute, and then you look back and then something yeah. happens. You think, oh, maybe I missed something. But the implication is definitely that he's blown up. I mean, has to be. Yeah, because I, I mean, the version I saw was um, it was the the um, uh, the dialogue. It was the the audio was sync out of sync by about four seconds. So when any, anything ever happened, it would like they would um, they they fell to the floor, and then four seconds later there's an explosion, which kind of added an extra comical effect. Which is, uh, but um, but yes, it definitely needs. It would be great to get this on uh, iced, um, iced and blood frenzy sort of double bill. But Lisa Loring, which is, I still when we talked about Lisa Loring in iced, and it was kind of. Uh, uh, I'm sure we'll talk a bit in background about, uh, and we did on Iced about how she was uh, involved on in the adult film industry from behind the scenes, and this is obviously where the connection comes from um, Hal Freeman, uh, presumably how she got involved in this. Uh, but um, but her gleefully taking the uh, her legacy as uh, Wednesday Adams and. Uh, trashing it like uh, um, Dawn Davenport in Female Trouble when she doesn't get char-char heels is, is quite something to behold, isn't it? I would agree. Yes. So, yeah, so those are my thoughts. I think pre-echoing what everyone else has said, it's uh, it's it's definitely worth a watch. It's it's good fun. Uh, and uh, it's it's got enough of kind of old-school slasher elements. That it doesn't, it doesn't by the late 80s, sometimes <clears throat> things are going off in different directions. You know, you've got your wisecracking killers and all that kind of post-ready stuff going on. But with this, it is more of a, um, you know, classic kind of sort of, you know, slasher movie set in a desert with people being bumped off gorily one by one, like a, you know, classic who done it so uh, but done in a very very over the top way which uh, it'd be interesting to find out when um, uh, Ewan speaks to the uh, the screenwriter about how much of that is intentional I imagine much of it was 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, the understanding I've got is that um, is that he was going very much for that kind of Agatha Christie, Ten Little Indians kind of um, setup. But um, I'd be interested to find out, you know, how. I mean, obviously, the characters are so broad that they come out <clears throat> fairly hilarious in the film. So I'd be interested to know how intended that was, or whether that sort of came out during the filming. Now, why do y'all think the doctor let Crawford bring alcohol? I mean, he was there to fight his alcoholism. Why does he have like a cooler of alcohol that he brought with him on this trip? I'm like, it doesn't, it seems counterproductive as to what she was trying to do. Yeah, because she doesn't intervene when uh, Rick uh, gives uh, Cassie a good scene to you in the sleeping bag either. No, maybe she needs to see, you know, what kind of struggles they go through so she can better. <laughs> understand how to diagnose it mm. or maybe she's an escaped mental patient herself who's just on <clears> the <throat> yeah did you know the box uh, the video box says she has a mysterious air about her as if she's holding something back oh mm. i was thinking it was funny that y'all mentioned that dory basically was not a very subtle character to be the killer because i was thinking to myself in a lot of whodunits when the killer's revealed it's usually somebody that seemed normal through the whole movie and then at the end, they're suddenly like crazy, like take urban legend is a good example of this. Um, but Dory is, is fascinating to me because she doesn't hide her crazy during the movie. She's like completely insane. It's like Eric says, she only really has to dial it up like one or two notches when she's revealed as the killer. Because through, throughout most of the movie, it's like, OK, well, I would not be shocked if you were the killer. And then there we go. She was the killer because I think that she is like is screaming her lines more often than she's just saying stuff, you know, softly. Hmm. And Dory likes to use the F bomb a lot. She does. Yeah. Filthy mouth in her. <laughs> this is very true. Were y'all shocked that Cassie and Dory ended up together? Well, for a little bit. Oh, what the uh, the lesbian scene? The big lesbian moment. Yeah. I think that's all in keeping with. I mean, it says on the back of the box, and it says Dory is a fashion model and lesbian with a severeness that often erupts as hatred. I don't. I, I. I wonder if it's that's kind of supposed to be part and parcel of her sort of characters. This kind of oh, it's you know, she's kind of this deviant you know sexual character, and I think that's kind of part and parcel of her her trajectory, isn't it? That she's you know that's kind of oh she's now um, seducing this woman and. But That's then she, what I like got from how, it anyway. Yeah, but then she the kind of goes off film, in. Sorry, Joseph. Oh, I was going to say, I think the film does a pretty good job of painting who these characters are. But I like that that one scene where the doctor actually um, she goes through the whole trouble of telling who these characters are. She's like, "I will tackle your your dealings with alcohol. I'll tackle your dealings with post traumatic stress disorder." I'm like, "Hey, I've already ascertained this. You don't need to tell me that." <laughs> I just thought it was amusing. Yeah, well, I think its subtlety is not its middle name, is it? Blood Frenzy. That's, that's, that's one thing that's amazing about it, mm. is that you can't say anything subtle in this movie whatsoever. No. Well, let's talk I love a bit. The, of, um, sorry, I love the line when, uh, when, they, you know, when they find the music box and we get the backstory about, um, uh, is it Barney, her patient, who um, you know, the doctor had treated before. And uh, she says, Barney wasn't capable of a plan this complex. <laughs> like, what's complex about the plan? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 
anyone else want to do that? I mean, <laughs> to me, the craziness of this whole thing about the doctor, like like you're saying, is that how at this point did she not just put together that Lisa Loring, you know, Dory is the killer? Like, how did she not put this together? Because like she says, at one point, Dory chose the exact location and now suddenly they're getting killed. And this old patient with the Jack in the box is around. I'm like, what are the odds? Yeah. I'm like, obviously, whoever told you to go there is the the villain. I mean, it, it's the only thing that makes sense. But I guess, you know, she's not an investigator. She's there to help them with their emotional issues. But she couldn't really talk Dory down at the end. Dory was already kind of, it was too late mm. to talk some sense into her. But also, doesn't actually make any sense why they were killing everyone else apart from the doctor anyway. Just collateral damage, I would I imagine. So. yeah. It was just like, oh, well, they're going to have to do that. Well, remember, after her and Cassie are finished in the cave, she's like, what we did was bad. So yeah. maybe she thought they were all just bad people. Mm. But I'm like, well, Dory was bad, too. I mean, she engaged in that with Cassie. So why is Cassie the only one getting punished for it? Hey, Straps. <laughs> <laughs> Straps agrees. Yeah, Straps agrees. Well, let's let's uh, talk some background now, shall we? Oh, I think we should. We should. And I think we should pass it to Ewan. Mm. Oh, God. Um, okay, well, uh, so um, the source that I was using mainly for uh, my background on this is a terrific book I came across called It Came From The 80s by Francesco Borsetti, um, which features uh, numerous interviews with um, you know, independent, low-budget filmmakers of the 80s. And it's got a surprisingly long section on uh, blood frenzy. Um, so one of the first points to note is um, that director Hal Freeman was obviously best known for working in the West Coast porn industry uh, with his production company Hollywood Video, which amusingly he changed to Hollywood Family, I think Hollywood Family Entertainment for this release, which is uh, kind of amusing in itself that that's the you know the logo that comes up at the front of this movie. Hollywood family entertainment. You don't think it should be watched by the whole family? <laughs> well, maybe my family, but I don't know about, I'm not sure we, we quite meet the norm. So um, maybe, maybe our families. Um, Hal Freeman had a big success with the Court From Behind franchise, which um, at last count was went up to installment number 24 in 1997. Um, Hal Freeman died quite a bit before that, but he's exec producer on that. So I'm not quite sure how that works. Um, I believe Caught From Behind 2 is the only one that had any kind of a subtitle, which was merely, uh, merely Caught From Behind the sequel. Um, so I haven't checked those out yet. Another, another interesting one in his um, filmography is uh, Hershey Highway 2. Um, <laughs> now, I was doing some of this research on my mom's computer at home, so I apologize in advance when she comes across that in her own <laughs> search history. Um, weirdly, I couldn't find a Hershey Highway 1, but there was a Hershey Highway 3 for fans of Hershey Highway, desperate for more. Um, so that sounds interesting. Um, so uh, Freeman was involved in... Um, so he, he was subject to an arrest, which apparently had quite big implications on the Hollywood porn industry. He was arrested on the set of Caught From Behind 2. Um, I believe somehow the, the police had got to one of the actresses and they she kind of rolled over and um, 
told them that she was working on this film and so that that was their tip-off so uh, freeman was arrested on the set becoming first director of adult movies to be arrested in california due to the anti-pimp law uh which was put in place uh supposedly to free hollywood of prostitution um ultimately freeman was acquitted in august 1988 uh and the i, I believe the ruling of that effectively legalized hardcore pornography in California. Uh, I will add that I'm not a porn historian, so um, take that with a pinch of salt. But uh, that's what I got from this book. Um, what else? Um, so Ted Newsom was saying that the title of the film uh, was uh, came about from sort of trying to mesh the idea of Hitchcock's, Hitchcock's film Frenzy with uh, Blood Feast of Herschel Gordon-Lewis. And that, that's quite an interesting point because I didn't realise when I first watched it that watching it back with that in mind, the ending with, uh, you know, and the brother comes out is very much like, um, it has strong overtones of like Herschel Gordon-Lewis, specifically the, the Gruesome Twosome, if any of you are familiar with that film. Mm. Uh, there's a similar, so the Gruesome Twosome is about this uh, mum and uh, son killing duo and the, the son is this kind of gibbering loon for one of a better expression who kind of comes out and you know kind of drools over the, the these young new bar women and scalps them or cuts them up and so it's got it's very it's very much got that feel to it in that in that final moment so um it was kind of interesting that he had hg lewis in mind um yeah as i mentioned before um the original uh, effects people, um, who the writer Ted Newsom apparently wasn't a big fan of, um, ended up, uh, I believe they ended up being arrested for having automatic weapons in their van, something along those lines. Um, so they were obviously, you know, uh, not able to continue or thrown off the production. Uh, and Ted Newsom was able to get a couple of his friends in to finish off the effects. Um, but obviously they were working within limited time um, and I get the impression that they weren't 100% happy with what they did, um, you know, but they just had to do what they could uh, within the time they had left. Uh, and as a result, I think they left a lot of the, the gore stuff till later on in the shoot. Um, amusingly, apparently, the one of the items that was lost uh, when the effects, the original effects guys were arrested was the music box. Um, which was, you know, under, you know, was, you know, was, was, um, had been impounded, uh, if you were, as it were, by the police. So originally Hal Freeman um, was asking the new effects guys to try and recreate the music box using the kind of like whatever wax and things that they had at, the, at their disposal, which was obviously completely impossible and impractical. Uh, but they eventually managed to retrieve the original music box uh, from the police so it could be used. Um, in that opening sequence, which was filmed afterwards, uh, I believe, in Hal Freeman's garage. Um, so that was an interesting little uh, tidbit. Um, in terms of the porn connection, uh, I, I made a note that Ron Jeremy apparently was in the running for a role at one point. I'm not sure which role that would have been. Maybe the, the drunkard. He's got a uh, big belly. <laughs> Yeah, indeed, indeed. I'm not sure how that would have played into the, the film, but the mind boggles, isn't it? Um, 
And uh, it's interesting. It's, it's part of that kind of sub sub genre of slasher films, which were made by um, you know adult filmmakers looking to kind of move into quote unquote more kind of legit fare. Um, it's it's a it's a fascinating sub sub genre, and um, I guess you know the uh, the crowding achievement of that little sub genre would be the prey, which is obviously made by um, filmmakers who had worked in uh, in you know. Uh, adult movies before that hmm. i think silent madness maybe um the director had been involved in um adult films also deadly games i think so there's quite a little little well, west, area yeah well west craven and sean cunningham kind of got oh there yeah, and started, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Course, yeah yeah it's a big list it's, it's an interesting it's it's an interesting uh, especially when it comes to the anecdotes about how freeman wanting to you know use the kind of gore stuff as the money shots it's kind of interesting to see that uh you know see that kind of connection between porn and horror and you know what what's you know how how the kind of the money shot kind of functions in a similar kind of way and how you know people would take learnings from one business into making slasher films so i think it's a really interesting area so that definitely lends to the appeal for me um what else have i got Uh, apparently how freeman um, left off the last 10, 15 pages of the script when he was originally giving it out to the cast because he wanted them all to be surprised at who the killer turned out to be. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> real, real method stuff, real hotel. Um, and let's have another look. Uh, Claire Cassano, who was the co-producer and kind of handled the marketing on the film, uh, she joined Hal Freeman's company um, to promote the movie. She she was also co-producer. She wanted to play Cassie, um, but Freeman didn't want her to be seen uh, as she was his vice president of sales and marketing. He didn't want her to kind of be seen, you know, as kind of an actress. He wanted he he didn't think that you know clients would take her as seriously if she was in the film doing this role. Um, the real Cassie, who was played by Lisa Savage, uh, refused to do a topless scene that was actually in her contract. Um, this is according to Claire Cassano's interview in the book that I mentioned before. Uh, and apparently um, the actress who played Cassie, her lawyer boyfriend, came down to the set and threatened to sue the production if they uh, continued to try to get her to do the, the topless scene. So they So they backed off and she didn't. I think there's a lot of truth to that because Tony Montero, who played Brick, says the exact same thing. Okay. Was that it, uh, she refused to do the um, the nudity after agreeing to it to begin with. Yeah, is that that's in the same book, is it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I was thinking as you were mentioning that book, I'm like, oh, he's going to have all my background because I, I got all mine from the same book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, I figured that should have been the case. I'll, I'll back off then. No, no, no. Uh, go, kid. No, you're good. You're good because that'll give me a chance to say my infamous no later. Yay! <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's what I was working up to. Actually, that's it's all. It was all planned, much like the uh, the complex plan that um, you know Barney was not capable of mounting <laughs> in Blood Frenzy. Um, so yeah, I think that's some of the most interesting tidbits I found. Um, oh, and uh, I, you know, hopefully, if I get to speak to the writer, I get to talk about a film that he was going to make. Subsequent to this with Hal Freeman, which is another slasher film that was called Judgment Night. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, I'll leave that there in case I've pillaged all the background from the book. 
Well, thank you, uh, Ewan. So, um, well, sorry, Nathan, I won't uh, step on your parade. Who would you like to ask next? Um, I'd like to ask Nathan, do you have anything? No. <laughs> um, actually, I'm kidding. I do have uh, something else. Uh, um, Monica Silvera Nadon, who played Jean, who doesn't like to be touched. Um, she um, <clears throat> uh, mentions that uh, she got along really well with Lisa Savage. They shared a hotel room and basically went over their lines every night. Um, I think it's a common thing in movies where maybe during the audition process, you know, they agree to do the nudity, but when it comes down to it, it's a lot more difficult. I mean, because I've heard other filmmakers from, you know, the 80s saying the same thing that, you know, sometimes they, when it comes down to it, they just suddenly don't want to do it anymore or they change their mind. And what stinks about that is if you've already filmed so much of your movie, um, then it would be so expensive to hire another actress and have to refilm everything. I mean, you're basically, you're you're stuck. You kind of just have to go along with it. Especially, you know, back in those days. But, um... No, other than that, I think I'm going to ask uh, Joseph if he, if he has background. What? No. <laughs> That'll be a no. Um, Eric? Okay, I only, I only have a few bits to add to what's already been said. Um, John Clark, who plays Crawford, apparently he was married to Lynn Redgrave at this time. He was from a celebrity household. Uh, they were married for 33 years. And Hank Garrett, who plays Dave Ash, uh, he had a role in Exorcist to the Heretic, the greatest movie ever. He was a train conductor. And I think that's all I have to add to what's already been said. You know, Hank did Garrett was... Think... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, did anyone think Crawford looked a little like Buck Flower? Me, I did. Completely. Yes. I thought it was him, and then when I went to check IMDb, I was like, oh, it's not him. It yeah. just seems like a role that Buck Flower would have played. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to mention, since you said Hank Garrett, that he was actually really good friends with uh, Tony Montero that played Rick. Um, and that's actually how Tony Montero got the part, was through Hank Garrett. Nepotism. <laughs> there you go. Um, Justin. Well, last, but certainly not least. Um, I think it, everything's been said apart from those couple of bits because um, I was going to mention the the nugget, as it were, about uh, Hal Freeman being in from the court from behind series. Um, the uh, the only other things I've got is just some connections to other movies. Is that um, Hank Garrett played Dave Ash was also in Death Wish, uh, the original nineteen seventy four movie, and uh, John Clark, who played Crawford, was in Jagged Edge in nineteen eighty five, which was. Uh, a kind of an attempt, uh, like a big budget slasher, to some degree, wasn't it? Or certainly, it kind of borrowed the um, the toys from the slasher uh, sort of it was box. A, more of a courtroom drama with but, some slasher elements. Well, exactly. It, it yeah. starts off with the big slasher bit, doesn't it, and then goes into the courtroom thing. But yes, he was in that, which is a very different movie uh, to to this. And um, the little girl who played Little Dory, uh, Jamie Jamie. Cohen was in something called The Flesh and Blood, The Hammer, Heritage of Horror. So presumably she was in some Hammer movie at some point. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, but that's all the background I have. So, um, well, Joseph, do you want to, to, have you got much in the way of feedback from people? <clears throat> I got a few things here. Okay. Uh, on Facebook, Tristan Comer says, my favorite desert slasher so far. Kyle, Bro- Kyle Brookie says, one of the first hard to find slashers. I started hunting for. 
here's the original U.S. big box and video store poster. And he posted a picture of that, which is awesome. I always loved it for some reason. Nice score, bad acting. A fun one that gets a lot of hate. Spoke to the rights owner back in 2009. She was looking to put it, at, put it on DVD herself. But when that, that, when that didn't work out, she was going to sell the rights. And sadly, that's the last thing I heard about it. This one is from Lyman Sogan. That's Lyman Sogan. <laughs> no, it's, it's, Simon, it's Simon Logan. I uh, love this one. It spends far, far more time developing the characters than most slashers do without it ever getting boring or the pace getting sluggish. And the central mystery of who the killer might be is great. Boy, I think we saw two different movies there. Um, well, I mean, I do like the mystery, but it's obvious who it is. But anyway, um, Lisa Loring is fantastic, and Justin has never looked better. He really suits the beard and trucker hat. <laughs> <laughs> Add into that some nice juicy gore effects and a few choice cameos by the boom mic and what's not to like. Uh, Mitch King, good buddy Mitch King, says, I've always had a soft spot for this one. I love how Lisa Loring screams all of her lines. It makes the film that much more enjoyable. Super excited you boys are tackling this one. Uh, Gareth Morgan, who was on our last episode, the very first obscure 80s slasher I stumbled upon on YouTube. It's not bad at all. I enjoyed the finale. Uh, Nick Swanson says, not bad, but nothing special. Jenny Hall Cameron says, wasn't terrible, but wasn't memorable either. Need to watch it again because can't remember if this was the one where one of the last to die was a nympho in a cave or something. And that is correct, Jenny. It's the same movie. Uh, on Instagram, Eugene Weaver says, saw this crazy thing on YouTube and loved it. Why hasn't this been snatched up by a company like Vinegar Syndrome or Arrow, Ewan, hey. and gotten the full-on full remaster for, for Blu-ray yet, complete with, an audio, complete with an audio commentary by you wonderful bunch of fellas. Crazy, gory, poorly acted, and wonderful for all the wrong reasons. I loved it. And finally, the bitter bastard nerd cast says, just watched it on YouTube. It's a glorious train wreck of a film. Overacting, underacting, crappy sound, over-the-top stereotypes. It's an embarrassment of riches. Lisa Loring's crazy-eyed rants at the end are pure gold. I only wish I could have watched it with Nathan. I just know he would have enjoyed it as much as I did. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. That's all the feedback. Fantastic. Well, thank you for everyone who's written in. I'll display the uh, how to get in contact with the show, uh, and this is how to do it. Thank you for listening to The Hysteria Continues. Be sure to search for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoy our show, consider becoming a Patreon subscriber. That's patreon.com forward slash The Hysteria Continues. You can email us at thehysteriacontinues at gmail.com. Yes, well, thank you uh, for all our Patreon supporters. And we are a little bit later today. We're going to be recording our top three So Bad It's Good horror movies. So if you want to listen to that, uh, join the uh, Patreon party, as it were. But now, you and I think you need to brace because we know what's coming up. I'm braced. I'm ready. It's my joke of the week. It's so, so why was Lisa Loring's character so unhinged? Because she was playing Dory. Oh, dear. <laughs> what? <laughs> See, you and like to thank you. And... He did, but uh, I have one too. Oh. What? I don't get Whoa. it. Door hinge. Unhinged and Dory. Oh. Yeah. Okay.
It's layered. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. See, my joke is, who did the catering on Blood Frenzy? And the answer is Wendy's and McDonald's. Mine was. I don't get mine that. Mine through the week. <laughs> the lead actress is Wendy McDonald. Oh, okay. And Wendy's is a popular chain that over yes. in the States, not up here, though. So is, so is McDonald's. Yes, well, we know about McDonald's. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mine was that the entire cast was, was set to remake this movie. It would, be, it would be called Blood Friends, see? The entire Friends cast. Yeah. yeah. Blood oh, Friends. Oh, I totally, that went over my head. <laughs> Blood Friends. I mean, you want to see your joke? Yeah, I'm sorry, you. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm desperately looking at the back of the um, box, trying to get some inspiration. You're going to have to give me a bit longer. <laughs> sorry, well, if you could. Sorry for. Maybe you could do it during the interview. Or something. Yeah, tell it to the guy you're interviewing. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely do that. Well, that impressed him anyway. So I'm sorry you had yeah. to witness uh, that, Ewan, and all, all of our, <laughs> our poor listeners. But um, <laughs> did we want an after the credits, Nathan? Yes, Is this, yes, yes. You do. Okay. Don't press stop. All right, so I'm thinking at the end of this movie, um, they get in the RV. Well, first they have to go find that distributor cap. So they go like looking around and then they finally find it. I imagine Lisa Loring probably had it in her pocket or something. So they find the distributor cap and then they put it on the RV and then they head off out of the desert. I think that Rick probably needed a lot more uh, help with his PTSD, but I think now the doctor is going to need some help to get over, um, you know, what happened to all her patients. Stripes agrees. Um, and I'm thinking that in the sequel, um, another therapist takes, um, the doctor Rick and another group of patients back to the desert and the killing start up again. Is Dory back? Maybe. She could be like a Jason. Well, she didn't. She know. survived Finding having Dory. Yeah, she. Well, she survived having that knife stuck in her throat, didn't she? That's that true. Out. She mm. seemed fine afterwards. Mm. It wasn't until she got that pickaxe in the back that. Did you see you know. the way she sits up? Is very Michael Myers at the end of Halloween. Mm. Where she sits up. I wonder if that was some inspiration. <laughs> Imagine so. Mm. So, what do you think, Ewan? Well, um, so I think um, at the end of Blood Frenzy. Uh, Dr. Shelley and Rick make it off. Um, it's a few years later. Um, Rick's PTSD has been, you know, hugely triggered by this event and he's uh, seeking counseling. Um, meantime, uh, they've both set up um, a company that's creating this new type of, uh, of super fuel for bikes. Um, and so, well, so, 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 uh, so Dr. Shelley is, um, tasked with taking, um, her, her group of motocross drivers, um, across the desert. And, um, amazingly it takes the, the route that they're going to take, it's going to take them right through where the original trauma happened. Um, in the meantime, uh, Dory has survived, uh, the various stabbings and, um, she's, uh, managed to, um, kidnap some bloke or other and start a whole new family out in the desert and a family of crazed mutants out in the desert. See where this is going? Do the hills have yeah. eyes? <laughs> <laughs> I think I can. Uh, oh, okay. I would watch. I look. I would watch that. You know, yeah. uh, any excuse to watch *Hills Have Eyes* too. You know, in various form, over and over again. 
I like seeing dogs have flashbacks. Exactly. Yes. Um, we, yeah, who, who would have a flashback in this one? Well, I mean, mm, no animals. There's no animals, really. It could be the severed Rick, hand. obviously. How about that severed hand has a yeah. flashback? Yeah. And we find yeah. out whose it is. Yeah. There you go. It's going to tie up all the loose ends. Uh, what about you, Justin? Well, I think it would be the Doctor and Rick uh, driving away, and it would be a bit like... Um, race for, with the devil the that old 70s movie peter fonda uh and um lisa loring she doesn't come back to life but her breasts do and uh they disengage and chase them through the um through the mojave de- desert and it comes the hills have breasts wow it's sequel. like mystics in bali kind of exactly yes. very you, you've taken it to a supernatural level well that's the only way to go yeah okay joseph well, I'd say the whole ordeal um, with Dory killing everybody and, you know, her getting her come up at the end during the middle of the week it was just a rough time for everyone. But I think she survived ultimately because uh, it was Wednesday. Oh, oh dear. Oh, dear. Hey, how come I get one of those during the after the credits? because it's deserved yes well well deserved well well deserved what about eric well my after the credits was exactly almost word for word what ewan said i was going on going to go on about how um, a group of dirt bikers are led out into the desert blah blah blah. (laughs) i'm going to change that now to a popular hair metal band decide to shoot their video out yes (laughs) and Unbeknownst to them, the warehouse that they choose that's in the middle of the desert for no reason um, is the home to Lisa Loring's character who has, um, as Eunice already said, starts the family with somebody uh, and they, they're they trying to get rid of the hair metal band so kill them off one by one and all the scantily clad ladies who are there as extras in the in the video shoot. Well, there you have it. Yeah, there you it's have it. Kind of a blood tracks. <laughs> it is. Blood sand tracks. Blood sand. Like yeah. <laughs> Those are very good after the credits is... They were fantastic. So, well, um, thank you. Well, is there, do we, uh, any other feedback, Joseph? Yes, one here. Mm-hmm. Okay. It says, greetings and salutations. I've just discovered your podcast a few days ago uh, through YouTube when doing a search for Ted Pryor films. I saw the episode for Killer Workout and immediately fell in love. So I'm starting from the very beginning and working my way through your whole spate of episodes. I was also thrilled to see you have an old movie trailer section. You have some stuff up there I've either not seen before or stuff I haven't seen in about 30 years or more. I'm impressed. You guys have magical rapport and I was wondering if you could possibly, if you would possibly consider covering Psycho 2 in the future. And yes, I think we would. More on this in later. Um, I, don't see, I don't see it on your playlist anywhere, so I assume you haven't tackled it yet. Uh, my name is Francis, please don't laugh, but I go by Frank the Tank because I'm six foot seven and weigh 300 pounds. But I'm afraid of everything. Hey, not all slasher fans are raving psychos. <laughs> Some of us are just as vulnerable as the women in these films. So keep up the good work. That's from Frank the Tank. Yeah, and Psycho thanks. 2 is one that I have been thinking of because I have the rather splendid Arrow Blu-ray that I've yet to watch. Mm. It is a favorite movie of mine. so Or not a favorite, but it's a movie I like very much. Have we covered Psycho 1? We have. Yes. Okay. All right. It's so, our yeah, five-year anniversary show. Maybe that should be an anniversary show. Uh, Psycho 2. It'd be, that'd be a big one to cover, I think. It would be a big one. <laughs> yes. It's one, the one that's up your alley. Oh, yeah. It's up my alley. Hmm. Ah, okay 
Well, thank you, Frank the Tank. I have one here as well. It says, Dear Hysteria Continues, I'm another relatively new listener, but shortly become a tremendous fan. Working through your catalogue in short order. Everyone has such a distinct personality on the podcast. It makes a real treat to listen to. I have to say, even as a straight man, Eric is my spirit animal. The man is a genius. Oh, thanks. So, but then again, so the rest of you. Um, moving on, I would highly recommend the amazing Supernatural come slash a carry ripoff from Night 2, Hello Mary Lou. It's a wonderfully entertaining movie and would love to hear the debate on whether or not it can actually be considered a real, inverted commas, slasher film. Best, AJ Anderson Yakovic. So, um, well, hopefully I'll pronounce your name correct, AJ. But uh, Prom Night 2, Hello Mary Lou, it's, <coughs> it's not a film that I've seen for a long, long time. But I do remember... When I saw it, uh, being disappointed that it wasn't a slash movie, or not as I was expecting it to be a not necessarily a direct sequel to Prom Night, but certainly um, uh, more of a slasher movie, because it seems like uh, with the Prom Night series, uh, Prom Night uh, was a slash movie, and it didn't really go back into slashing as such until Prom Night Four: Deliver Us from Evil. Um, what do you guys think? I like it. I love mm. Hello, Mary Lou. I watched it not too long ago, actually. But would it be considered a slasher I movie? Mm, I probably wouldn't call it a slasher, but I would pick it for a Patreon. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since it came out, so I don't remember anything about it. No. I love part three, though. Part three is so much fun. There's a great scene in part three where she's telling this one guy that he's such a good friend. And she's like, you're a great friend. You have a really good heart. Do you want to see it? And then rips it out. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the I've seen number two a long time ago mm. on I think it's on Prime not a very good copy of it um, hasn't had a Blu-ray has it no but I it has a DVD wasn't, yeah. it, wasn't it released on Blu-ray like a box set in Australia or something I think but I might be wrong yeah. on that fact but uh, yeah possibly another one to be uh, given the arrow treatment perhaps well yeah. maybe I haven't seen um, you I haven't seen Yes, I haven't seen three or four. Are those worth seeking out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, four is like, it's not like a a great memorable slasher, but I mean, it's fun enough. Does four have a killer priest or something in it? Yeah. It's got a really creepy looking killer priest who's killing off uh, kids at this school. Um, But he keeps on stopping every five minutes and sort of dodges around and uh, makes some like really bad sub Freddy wisecrack, which kind of slightly ruins the effect, if I remember correctly. I just remember one scene where he's stabbing through the roof of a house and one character is on the roof and the character's starting to fall and the only thing he has to grab onto is the blade of the knife sticking up through the roof, which seems pretty painful to me. Mm. I do always get it confused with Happy Hell Night for some reason. Hasn't that got a killer yeah, priest as well? I can't remember the killer having any wisecracks in Prom Night 4, but granted it's been a long time since I, I saw it. I might be getting it confused with Happy Hell Night then. Well, did that have a killer priest in it? Yeah, yeah. Ah, so that's where I'm getting confused. But it's Killer Priest in Prom Night Four as well, isn't it? Deliver Evil. Yeah, it is. Deliver well, there, there, there's us there's a confusion. Evil. That's my uh, get out for this episode. Oh, speaking of which, Get Out is is featured heavily in the latest episode of Drag Race. So oh, it is it? A, okay. So it has a yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I was, yeah. Okay. Um, sorry guys, that's that's what I'm. Uh, you know, let's wrap this up so I can go and watch it, please. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually a good sketch that they do too. Like it it's actually really it's funny. Sketch. A lot of times their sketches mm. are kind of cringe. Mm. Yeah, this, this one's a good one. Could be, sketches could be hit and miss, but um, yeah. that sounds promising. Excellent. Well, uh, well, it's it's uh, 
I have to say thank you ever so much, Ewan, for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank yes. you very much for having me. And well, hopefully we'll have you again soon as well. And I, I have written down exactly where you said about, what was it you said? Um, let me just check. Uh, fake ass. The, yeah. Fake ass is one, yes. 104.26. So anyway, so that's um, something for the end of the show. So something Perfect. to tune into to listen. Ewan, are you... Ewan, are you allowed to tell us off air about the the title you're working on, or do you just have to keep it hush hush? Um, catch goo goo. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. I, I I could be I could be bribed into it potentially. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, bribed. then we'll get the nude photos of Eric ready. Okay. You are. No, not... I've already got a bunch. Which which ones are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> well, this month's um, Playgirls. You talking about the behind the scenes of No, Not My Wrinkled Starfish. <laughs> Those ones. It's <laughs> um, Hershey Highway Five, I think. Yeah, it's anal paprika <laughs> forty-two. Behind. Yeah. Part Justin, 17. It's, uh, Justin, it's your choice next time. What are you picking? Oh yeah, what are you going to say next? I think I'm going to go for Dead Kids from 1981. Uh, ooh, AKA Strange Behavior. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I am on a bit of a 1981 kick at the moment. So I'm going to. Um, I've already done some research on that one, so I think because uh, it's a it's a strange mashup of sci-fi uh, and slasher, but I think it's got enough slasher in it to to qualify. And I love always love the title Dead Kids, so it will be Dead Kids from 1981 uh, next time on the History Continues. So, uh, what are we playing out with, Nathan? Um, I couldn't find a song about blood or frenzies, um, so I played out with the end credits theme from the blood frenzy okay well thank you for listening to the history continues and we'll catch you next time uh, with some dead kids uh, uh, so uh, thank you again to Ewan and uh, say goodbye to the good people bye sashay away bye Dory bye When he comes on time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, here yeah, we start. Yet. We're not recording yet. You've got to save the show. Save that material. We've got to save that material for the end of the show. Yeah. Oh, I don't get all y'all's tech talk. Yeah. Like, Sorry. XML. I'll, I'll throw in a few buzzwords. I'd much rather linger on a, a fake ass. <laughs> <laughs>